Hello, Oma, and Konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC 252, Steep Day versus DC3. A hell of a main event, and there's a great co-main event as well. Sugar Sean O'Malley is going to be fighting Marlon Vera. But as those of you who know who frequent the show, we're not going to be breaking down either of those two fights. Now, we are all focused on the prelims. And for those of you who are new to the show and might be asking yourself, why just the prelims? Why are we only looking at those fights early on in the night and not the, the really exciting ones? And the answer is really simple. First of all, we think the prelims are exciting. And second of all, I think there's a lot of money out there to be won in gambling or daily fantasy sports by really knowing your stuff about the prelims. So we're here to help you with that so that you can be extra knowledgeable and get the leg up on the competition. And speaking of getting a leg up on the competition, this episode is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack SportsBets.com. He can help you get the leg up on the competition when you're gambling or doing daily fantasy sports. Because unlike other companies who offer gambling advice, AJ is not just a list of fighters or teams that you should put down money on each and every week. Instead, he focuses on educating his customers. He provides them with not only his picks, but all kinds of tips and know-how that will help them be profitable for years to come. He's going to help you make informed decisions and maximize that profit. Now, you don't just have to take my word for it. You can check out his extensive record, his past breakdowns, and his customer success all at AJsActionPackSportsBets.com. That link is in the show notes for you. And you can also follow him on Twitter at AJMMABetting. You will not be sorry you did. Of course, now I have to be joined by somebody in order to break down these prelim fights. And joining me once again is a fan favorite from the Fixed Fight Podcast with Kurt and Ben. I am joined by Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks again for having me, man. It's always a pleasure. All right. And as you guys know, in each of these rounds, we're going to put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jim Miller versus Vince Pichel. So Miller is coming off of that impressive submission victory over Roosevelt Roberts back in June. Vince Pichel also coming back over a win over Roosevelt Roberts, but that was actually last June, June of 2019 instead. So since both of their most recent fights are against Roosevelt Roberts, let's talk about them. One is obviously much quicker, one being a little bit more long and, and a little bit more dominant maybe. How do you break down these wins and sort of apply it to this matchup? Um, yeah, I mean, Jim Jim Miller, his win over Roosevelt Roberts was super quick. Um, but the thing is, I'm very, I'm still pretty high on Roosevelt Roberts, and I think that he definitely grew from that Vince Pichel fight. I believe that was what, like his second fight in mm-hmm. the UFC. I want to say. Um, so we definitely gained some experience going into the Miller fight. But again, he was pretty much dominated by Pichel, so I don't know. For me, they kind of cancel each other out. I mean, I don't really uh, – it doesn't affect me too much either way, if you know what I'm saying. I, I do know what you're saying, and it, it's a weird style matchup too because, you know, you have Roosevelt Roberts, a guy who is a little bit more complacent on the bottom, and as we found out against Jim Miller, a little bit complacent on the top too Very true. to put himself into bad situations. And, and that's really why Vince Pichel – put him in a lot of those bad situations, right? Like he, he just had really good top control, but he never really looked to finish. And for me, that's one of the bigger differences here is that Jim Miller is undoubtedly a better finisher. Now, is he going to be in a good enough position to make those finishes happen? I mean, that's kind of the question. Vince Pichel's a tough guy to finish. I've, I think we've only seen Gregor Gillespie finish him recently. So 
that maybe that's the better question. Does Jim Miller wind up in a good enough grappling position here to finish Vince Michelle? Even Neil Vince Michelle is kind of interesting because I think he's he's been very underrated throughout his whole career. But we've also seen like you don't you know you don't see him fight too often. Like the talent's there, the size is there for the weight class, but you just don't see him fight that often. Whereas Jim Miller, there's so much tape, there's so much film on him. Um, and yeah, Jim Miller is an absolute killer, man. And, and you know the thing about Jim Miller is. He, Finishes don't have to present themselves for him, right? He can go out there and find a finish in multiple different ways. So, yeah, I definitely think a, f- a finish is very in play here for Jim Miller. And, and I think, too, people forget about Jim Miller setting up finishes with his hands, too, because he, he guillotined Clay Guida all the way back in August of 2019, but it wasn't his grappling skills that got him that finish. It was his hands. He, he tagged Clay Guida with a good punch, and then Clay Guida had sort of a desperation shot in. So I think people forget about that, too. And we've unfortunately got to the end of our time talking about Jim Miller. So let's get a prediction. Uh, who you got and how you got him? Listen, man, whenever you doubt Jim Miller, it's going to bite you in the ass. I got Jim Miller. I think he does get a finish. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the hand set up the finish on the mat. I'm going Jim Miller, third round, rear naked choke. All right, I'm going to go with him a little bit earlier. I like him late first, early second round. I'm going to take submission victory as well. I think he probably tags him or at least makes him uncomfortable enough on the feet that Pichelle starts making dumb shots and gets caught. Uh, and that brings us to our second fight, which is Ashley Yoder versus Lavia Souza. So Ashley Yoder snapped her two-fight win streak recently with a loss to Randa Marcos by split decision, a real close fight. Souza also lost her two-fight win streak recently with a split decision, or a unanimous decision loss, rather, to Brianna Van Buren. So both of them on a really good run. And the interesting to me is both of them in those fights were very offensive with takedowns. They looked really good in their takedowns, got a couple of takedowns each. But they weren't really able to establish any top game. So the question is here, do either of them want to go to the ground with the other one? Because they're both good submission skills. And if so, which one initiates that? I think Souza is going to initiate. She's She's got a very, I believe, um, she's like, I don't know, like over 10 submissions on her record, right? Okay, so she's got eight submissions on her record. She does have a very good and a very aggressive ground game. Um, I just think she's going to look to push the pace right off the bat on, on Yoder, and I do think she's going to be the one shooting for and controlling the ground positions. Yeah, and I, I think, too, Yoder has found that she really likes her own hands lately. You know, in a couple of her recent fights, including the one with Mackenzie Dern, when she decided, obviously, she doesn't want to go to the ground at all, lost a split decision at the end of that. She looked really good standing up. She looked good pressing her against the cage. I just don't see that as like a, a real viable option against uh, Souza, though. And, and that worries me a little bit because, you know, if, if her only path to victory here is the ground, I mean, I don't think it's a very clear path to victory. And, and that makes it, you know, uh, definitely worrisome for the spider monkey. So uh, I guess we're at the end of this one, too. Who you got in this one and how you got him? I'm going Souza by decision. I think Yoder has fought very tough competition and she's very hard to finish. But, man, I, I just think Souza. You know, she was coming off Invicta as the champ. She's very, very good. I'm going to lose by decision. I think she controls the ground game and the stand-up. Yeah, and for me, too, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to take Susie here by decision. For me, I love Yoder. I love the, the potential she's got. You know, she got into the game late. But at the same time, you know, th- this is just the worst kind of stylistic matchup for somebody who's got good grappling and is trying to figure out the, the stand-up part of the game sort of now. And, and, you know, you give her a killer on the ground. So I'm going to go with Souza by decision as well. And that brings us to the end of our first round. We'll be right back with round number two.
And just a reminder, guys, that this show is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack SportsBets.com. That link is in the show notes. One of the awesome things that AJ does for you is that he sends you not only his picks each week, but he also sends you pros and cons for each matchup, along with some really interesting stuff about DraftKings matchups, including who might be owned highly, who might not be owned so much. And that's really a great way to take home the jackpot in a lot of different scenarios by knowing who's the lesser-owned guy who is going to score big. So AJ helps you out on that, and he sends all of that stuff right to your inbox each and every week when you are a subscriber. So check him out at AJ'sActionPackSportsBets.com and take your game to the next level. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about heavyweight action, debuting heavyweight action, everybody's favorite. We got Chris Dawkins fighting. He's 8-3, and three, making his debut, coming off of a KO win back at CFFC 77 in August. Parker Porter, meanwhile, is 10-5. and five. He's making his debut at 35 years young, coming off a KO win back at CES 58 last September. We've got very classic debuting heavyweights here. Both dudes, big hands. What do you sort of know about these two that can sort of differentiate them for listeners who might not know anything about either of them? So I'm from Connecticut. Parker Porter is a Connecticut guy. He's been pretty much a legend for Connecticut and New England MMA for a long time in the heavyweight division. He He's fought just about everyone on the regional scene. I'm so glad to see him finally get the call up. Uh, dude, Parker's a banger, man. I, he's got great stand-up. And uh, he does have pretty good jiu-jitsu, so he's very well-rounded. But, uh, man, he goes out there and he throws bombs. Um, this should be a really fun fight. Dawkins, uh, I believe he's – what is his record? Eight and three, right, with eight KOs. Um, so he's a finisher as well, which obviously you can expect from the heavyweight division. Uh, I expect this one to take place on the feet. But if, if one did have an advantage on the ground, it would definitely be Parker. Yeah, I, I think not enough people respect his ground game, too, because if you look sort of back at the guys who beat him, and if you look at his, his record, anybody who knows anything about New England MMA is going to be astonished. His losses are to John Jones and Gabriel Gonzaga on the regional circuit. You know, he also lost to somebody like Josh Diekman, who, if you're from the Northeast, you know the name. So he, he's a guy who's kind of fought a who's who, and he's got a lot of submissions on his record, too. And the only kind of couple of times he's looked maybe not himself was against somebody like Gabriel Gonzaga, who is, you know, a killer on the mat. So I actually do think like his advantage there. But here's my question. Does he decide to go to that advantage or does he fall in love with the hands? Uh, I think it would be smart to test Dawkins' ground game. But like I said, Parker does have very good hands as well. And he does have knockout power. Um, you never know what debutants either. He could fall in love with the hands. He could go to the grappling heavy game. I'm going to guess he goes out there and does try to at least fist for a takedown early on and see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you never know what debuting fighters, man. Absolutely. So we, we've gotten to the prediction portion of this. Who you got? How you got him? Got to go with Parker Porter, man. Uh, I'm going first round stoppage. I think he hurts him on the feet, finishes him on the mat by TKO. All right. I like that pick, but I'm actually going to go with Chris Dawkins on this one. Uh, I, I like his stand-up style. I like the fact that he works well out of the clinch. And if for some reason Porter does shoot for a lot of takedowns and isn't able to get him, 
he's going to find himself in a position where I think he's a little bit outmatched in the clinch work here. And I, I think that's probably where Dawkins gets it done. So I'm going to go Dawkins. Uh, it's heavyweight. So first round knockout is the only thing that makes sense. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, uh, and that brings us to our second fight, which is Felice Herrig versus Virna Jandaroba. Herrig is on a two fight skid with losses to uh, Carolina Kowalkiewicz and Michelle Watterson, both by decision. She last fought in October of 2018, which I, I had forgotten it had been that long. Jandaroba, meanwhile, she's 1-1 one one in the UFC. She beat Mallory Martin in her last fight, lost to Carla Esparza in her debut, which certainly no shame doing that on short notice. So here's my question for you. We obviously have a small sample size for Jandaroba in the UFC, and we have almost no sample size for Herrig lately. Like, we don't know what she looks like you know, having been gone for two years. How do you break this one down? It's tough, man, because Felice went on that run where she won four straight prior to losing to Carolina and Michelle Watterson, who are both – you know, long-time staples at the top of the division. Um, she's definitely fought the better competition, but again, she had a, a couple serious injuries. I know she damaged her leg pretty bad, her knee. So you never know how a fighter is going to be after that. Um, I just think that it, it's so unquestioned. There's so many questions around how Felice Herrig is going to look, whereas Jandaroba is very, very good. Uh, she's a former champion in Invicta. It's a tough first fight back for Felice Herrig. Yeah, and I, to say I'm, the least. yeah, I'm really interested in seeing how the grappling game looks here too, right? Like it's Felice Herrig kind of has that like bull forward style, or had at least that bull forward style where she's going to pressure quite a bit. Whereas Jandaroba is somebody who hits both reactive takedowns and takedowns she sets up herself very well. You know, Mallory Martin is no slouch in the grappling game, and she got taken down three times by Jandaroba. I mean, you could say the same thing about Carla Esparza, who Jandaroba fought. Uh, on short notice and took her down three times as well. You know, Asparza, a hell of a grappler. So for me, you know, I, I see Jandaroba's clear path to victory here being just take her down, take her down, take her down, win a decision. Um, and that's going to be my pick. How about you? How, who you got winning this one? How you got them? Same thing, man. I think Jandaroba has a good gas tank. She's very aggressive with her, her takedowns. She can push a good pace. I got her winning by decision. Again, there's just too many questions around Harry coming into this one. All right, and that's going to do it for round number two. We'll be right back with our last two fights in round number three. Hey, guys, I just want to give you a small taste of what subscribers are saying about AJ's Action Packs SportsBets.com. One subscriber said, I've been following AJ for several months, and he is ultra impressive, but honestly, it is more than his winning selections and return on investment. His breakdowns and understandings of matchups are what impress me the most. It can be hard to separate out your emotions and your favorite fighters in this game, but AJ really seems to be able to objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and not let his emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book. That is from George, and George, we could not agree more. We love AJ's action ports actionpacksportsbets.com, and we think you will too if you give him a try. Check out that link in the show notes. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Herbert Burns versus Daniel Pineda. So Burns 2-0 in the UFC. He knocked out a striker in Nate Landwer and then submitted the submission specialist in Evan Dunham. Back-to-back impressive wins. Daniel Pineda, meanwhile, last fought in the UFC in 2014, which was a decision loss to Robert Whittaker. Uh, most recently, he's fought for PFL, but, you know, pick an organization. He's probably fought for him since he left the UFC. 
Now, the question for me is, Pineda is a guy who, who's got some good grappling. He, he's a pretty damn good grappler in his own right. Is there any chance he decides to use his best strength against a guy like Burns who's known for his grappling? Man, I got to say, this might be the fight I'm most excited about on this undercard. It's a really, really good fight. Uh, man, P- P- Pineda's got, what, uh, 18 subs on his record. He's a very – he's aggressive – I definitely think he's confident in his ground game, and as a grappling fan, as a grappler myself, I really do hope it hits the ground. I think it does, man. I don't think either of these guys are going to be afraid of each other's ground game whatsoever. I I almost expect Herbert Burns, too, if Pineda shoots. I I wouldn't say to concede a takedown, but to be very willing to scramble with him. Uh, Because I think Herbert Burns has, you know... First of all, he's a he's a no-gi national champion in Brazil. So, you know, obviously he's got some chops. But in addition to that, he also is very confident in his ability to basically scramble with anybody in, in, in MMA. So I'm interested to see what that looks like with Pineda, especially being a guy, like you said, who's got tons of submission victories, who, who's scrappy on the ground. I just, for for me, I'm interested to see what Pineda looks like so long away, you know, having fought some lesser competition in other organizations. What has he added to his game? He's certainly not a young spring chicken anymore. So th- there's a lot of question marks out there, but I- I'm excited for this one too as, as a grappling nerd. I-, I love this matchup. And unfortunately, we got to make that prediction though. Uh, who you got in this one? How you got him? I'm going with Herbert Burns, man. I, I think... You know, his brother has has gone leaps and bounds as to becoming a well-rounded fighter. I think Herbert's in the same cloth. He can grapple with the best of him. He's got really good striking. I'm going Burns. I think he finishes Pineda. Uh, I'm going Burns by second-round TKO. All right. I I like that pick. I'm actually going to go with him by submission. Not that I don't think Pineda's skills hold up, but I think probably he softens him up with the ground and pound in the position. And at some point in time, Pineda either exposes his back or, you know, leaves something open and Burns capitalizes on that. So I'm going to go Burns by submission. I'm going to take him. Yeah, I like your second round pick too. I I like him in the second round after he's worn out the veteran a little bit. Uh, And that brings us to another exciting fight here, which is our last one. And that's TJ Brown versus Daniel Chavez. So Brown lost in his debut to Jordan Griffin by a Marcelatine back in February. And it's one of those fights where he looked good and dominant almost the whole time. He's going to be fighting Daniel Chavez, who's 10-3, and making his debut. He's got three straight first-round KOs. Last time he fought was in July. It's definitely a striker versus grappler matchup, almost as pure as it can be, because Brown has got some really weird takedowns that we saw in the Contender Series. Chavez loves to throw his hands. Can he keep it on the feet long enough to be successful, though? Yeah, shout out to uh, Brown's jiu-jitsu coach, Raleigh Delgado, a guy I've always had a lot of respect for. He's got a really funky ground game. So, yeah, I definitely could see Brown, uh, you know, how he fights as well. But, uh, you know, it's it's going to be tough, man, because I think, like you said, Brown does throw a lot of uh, varied and kind of awkward takedowns out there, which, you know, most people are not going to be – you know, too savvy to, but, uh, yeah, again, I like the style matchup as well. I think it's going to be really fun, uh, for as long as Chavez does keep it on the feet, but, uh, when it does hit the mat, I think he's going to be in, in some deep water. Yeah. I think it, as soon as this hits the mat, it's a short fight. If Chavez can keep it on the feet, as long as he can keep it on the feet, I think he has an advantage. He has a chance to knock him out. You know, you, you give him the old puncher's chance moniker here if you really want to, but, I think this is a fight where he's going to have to land the big shot because if he doesn't, the minute it's on the ground, I think T.J. Brown 
has got underrated jujitsu. You know, you mentioned Roly Delgado, who, if you've never seen him on The Ultimate Fighter, I highly suggest going back and watching that season because he's got some fun grappling in those two, uh, those fights on the show as well. Um, and you can see his coach a little bit. But yeah, like TJ Brown's got that style. It's uncharacteristic, you know, like in the fact that, you know, Chavez probably won't know what he's looking at most of the time is going to make it even more dangerous for me. So yeah, I, I'm interested to see how it plays out. It's a weird style matchup. Who you got and how you got him? I got Brown by a uh, first round submission. I think he, uh, I think he finds his way to like a guillotine or something and uh, gets him out of there. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I, I think this is uh, Brown. I'm going to take him rear naked choke in the first round. I think probably he just has his way on the top until he finds something he likes. Um, and that's going to do it for all six of our fights. We gave you six fights in just over 15 minutes. So we hope you guys enjoyed yourselves and learned a little bit about these fights. Once again, I was joined today by Kurt Chase Patrick from the Fix Fight Podcast with Kurt and Ben. You can follow him on Twitter at KCPKO. Kurt, thanks so much for joining me. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. Enjoy the fights this weekend.